What is up? Grace, peace, and welcome to Podcast of the Wills, a podcast that treats Star Wars like a sacred text. My name is Nick Milkey. It's Sunday night. We're back. This is like six weeks in a row. This must be the most consistent thing I've done, and I don't know how long. Um, shout out to my co-host, Steve, who can't be with us tonight. Always thinking about Steve when we're doing shows. He's going to be with us sometime soon. I'm looking forward to that. Um, but we're live streaming. We're hanging out on YouTube. We're hanging out on the book of faces, as some people like to call it. Um, and we're going to talk. We're going to have fun tonight. I've got a fantastic guest that I'm excited for our listeners to get to know a little bit more. I'm excited to get to know him a little bit more. I will say that my guest tonight, I think I knew who he was. I had seen him on social media and some of the podcast circles that we run in. Um, but I think the high watermark of when we kind of connected and started to talk a little bit was he referred to me at one point as the nice gentleman. Um, and I think that was good because he clearly recognized that I am drastically older than him and aging rapidly. Um, but I am excited tonight. My guest is Jared Boffman Stubbs. If you are a active Star Wars Twitter and podcast user, you know him as Jared the Dark Jedi. Jared is a part of the Nerd Academy podcast. They have so many shows, I can't even keep up with them. Um, and I'm going to get him to talk about that a little bit. So I don't want to drag out any more time. There's news we could talk about, but we're kind of over her. I mean, that news. So we don't have to do that tonight. We're going to keep it moving. We're going to keep the spark of positivity rolling. And I'm thrilled to welcome my buddy, Jared, the Dark Jedi. <laughs> your your interpretation, interpretation of the nice gentleman is very different than how I meant that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love, and here's the thing: I purposely held out talking about that when we were on camera before we got started, because I want to hear your side of the nice gentleman. Because that was one of those moments where I was like, "This young whippersnapper called me the nice gentleman." Like you say, like in the South, you know, you say yes, sir. You're respectful to your elders, and I thought I'm just I'm aging rapidly on the camera or in whatever chat section I was on. So I definitely want to hear about the origin of the nice gentleman. <laughs> No, yeah, we were both on. Uh, it was uh, it was either what is now Force Connect or Beyond the Blast Doors Live uh, during a call in show, um, and Pete from Around the Galaxy had us both on <laughs> at the same time. And it occurred to me after the fact where I was like, I didn't catch that guy's name. <laughs> uh, I was like, and he definitely has a podcast. Like this, I like like this definitely isn't just like. Uh, a subscriber to BTBD. I was like, this is th th this guy has a show. Like, I can tell this guy has a show. And this is, this I, is a guy I, pretending he knows what he's doing. That's what yeah, you picked oh. up on. <laughs> yeah, I, hey, like, game recognizes game on that. That's one. right. I got so, you. I got you for sure. Right. I I was like, okay, um, I'm just going to address the fact that I thought this guy was cool and at Pete in this tweet and just kind of <laughs> hope the algorithm does its job. And I was <laughs> not wrong, and it did. So it, it totally worked, yeah. and we totally have been in some of those live chats. You know, I love those guys over there running into, you know, the podcast friends. We were just talking a minute ago before we went live about this last year and what it means to go out or not go out, as you know, we're primarily doing. You work as a frontline worker. You're a bartender, um, and you were telling me that most of the folks over there on all of your shows are frontline workers too. So it's a different experience. But I said, I think on Force Connect last Friday, um, I just had one of those light bulb moments where it occurred to me that over the course of, you know, the weeks that they were doing that and this last year of getting to know the folks on those shows and watching those shows and listening to those shows, especially right now 
like it's the bar that I don't get to go to right now because we're all hunkered down and quarantined. And so for me, I look forward to that Friday night force connect, pouring a drink, laughing and getting weird, you know, when Watto shows up or when, you know, we're doing any of the various crazy bird walks and tracks and conversations that start out one way and turn into something else. Cause that's what I'd be doing if life was quote unquote normal. And if we were going out on a Friday night, hanging out with friends or over at somebody's house, having a whiskey, talking about, you know, digging too deep on something that we shouldn't spend that much time talking about, but we're going to do it anyhow. Yeah. I, 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 the only issue I have with beyond the blast doors uh, as a network is that they do a really, really cool live call in show the night <laughs> I close and can't watch it. Can't like, get there. <laughs> it, like even I, I wish the club I bartend at had like half decent Wi-Fi. <laughs> for the sole purpose of I just like to, like like put it on and just walk past and like hold it up to my ear every couple seconds. Absolutely. Check check yeah. in and see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, you know, just just hop in, you know, act a fool for a little bit and <laughs> get out of there. But no, I miss every force connected. It makes me so upset. And I, I try to watch the replay and then I get upset while I'm watching the replay. And I'm like, man, I would have loved to have seen this. <laughs> I, and I had something to say to that point. I want to, you know. I feel you. I've there uh, on occasion if I don't catch some one of their shows live during the week. You know, again, they have five different live shows a week. Like they're just you know cranking stuff out. Um, I know y'all have a bunch of live shows too, and so I have those moments where like I can't watch tonight, and I'll go back and watch or listen to it anyhow. But there's that little element that's missing where like I would have chimed in on that particular point to say no, this is what I think, or you know, and so that's what I love about this live format, and that's what I you know, as we've transitioned our show to a Sunday night live stream, you know, we're still going to put the audio up tomorrow, but I love having the interaction. I love having the live chat. I've got Seth, we've got Michael, we've got Connor, we've got people, you know, that have tuned in and are going to hang out with us tonight. And to me, that adds to the show. So thank y'all for being here tonight, live chat. Thank y'all for hanging out with us. Um, but yeah, to me, the Star Wars community has only helped to, blunt some of the pain of this last year of being at home and being able to have these connections, meet new friends. I, you know, you hear it in every show you listen to. I think the most aspirational thing that any of us talk about is what is celebration going to be like in 2022 when everybody literally gets to all just like hug and cry and get drunk together because we're so excited to be together and hang out with these friends that we've made, you know, over this time and through this medium. Oh, I am going to the closest liquor store to wherever the celebration <laughs> is. We are all holding up in somebody's hotel room, and I am bartending. <laughs> That's right. I I, I I made that joke to Pete before uh, when I was DMing him. I'm like, I want you to know, like I like I'm bartending something for like the whole <laughs> for the whole pod squad. Like, the, you know, oh, it's like, I'm totally on board for that. Well, speaking of bartending, that's going to get us a perfect segue into what I have started, I guess, three weeks ago now. Um, I keep saying that, you know, I'm trying to be the Stanley Tucci of Star Wars podcasts because Stanley Tucci over the course of this pandemic has started his Instagram videos, which probably only have a few more followers than I do, but he's making cocktails. And of course he's wearing like a really nice suit and his really fancy expensive kitchen, but it's just sublime. And you're watching him make this cocktail and talk and hang out. And so I thought I can do that. I like to drink. I have a live internet presence of some sort. So we're making drinks for our guests every week. Um, and I, I had a lot, of, I felt like I had a little extra pressure this week because I have an actual bartender on. And so I wanted to make sure I didn't get it right. 
I mean, I that I did get it right. Um, and what I've also decided is I think going forward, you're going to be the official bartender of podcast of the will. So anytime I have issues or need drink ideas, I'm just going to throw a lifeline to my man, Jared, and he's going to hook me up. That is, that is a high honor. <laughs> And I, I mean, I, I'm all about an official endorsement. So Jer Jared is here. He is the official bar bartender of Podcast of the Wills. Tonight, we are making what I have called Jared's Dark and Sithy for obvious reasons. Jared, the Dark Jedi. Um, and so we're going to make one real quick. I know you've got yours made already. Um, I can't make any cocktail on a show without using one of my vintage Burger King glasses. So it's all fun and games until one day when I drop one and then it's going to be real sad. But for now. So quick flex, I have the whole set. Yes, you do. <laughs> and I never drink out of them. Well, I, there's a, there's they're a probably in a lot better shape than mine are too. I, I'm, I, there's a very, very short list of like collector's items. I'm super precious about. Um, I think you, you made the joke earlier before we started that I I've, kind of been going on a little bit of a showing off the new studio tour <laughs> on everybody's shows lately. Hey. Um, and uh, I, I have, I've made a point of like going like, Hey, look at my lightsabers on every one of them. Uh, like though, th those puppies get, get uh, beat to hell. I'm never taking <laughs> stuff out of those glasses ever. To totally fair. Totally fair. And if I end up with a mint set at some point, I'll put them in a cabinet too. I, I'm je I'm jealous of your capacity to be able to drink from it is what I'm saying. Like well, I'd love that to drink from the one you have, like the one of Luke and Vader fighting in that's Jedi. Right. It, that's right. It's the one got the Emperor on the back. We've got the the Imperial dignitary. We've got the Red Guard. Um, it's a good one. And while I will drink out of them, and of course I won't put them in the dishwasher. You know, this we got to protect this probably lead filled paint on this cup. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I can't, I will say I came through my house at some point, gosh, I don't know how long ago. And one of my daughters was like sitting at the table, just living her best life, drinking out of one of these cups. And I was like, Oh, what are we doing? You can't, you can't use that. Well, you do. I was like, I know I do. And I'm the only one that gets to do that, that, that dad nerve. <laughs> yes. So Jared's dark and Sithy. Very simple. I like simple cocktails, especially for this medium where I'm making it on the keyboard of my computer. Um, we've got some bourbon. I have some Four Roses single barrel. Normally, I would just drink this straight up in a glass, but we're making cocktails. We're going we're gonna to be a little bit more fun. Um, so we're going to get two ounces of bourbon going on here. This is where I don't spill it. Ooh, looky there. Um, we have some ginger beer. I don't drink ginger beer, but apparently goslings is one of the ways to go for like a good dark and stormy, which this is not. And I know that. And somebody's going to tell me, hey, you're kind of making a Kentucky mule. I don't care. This is a Jared's dark and sithy. This is not a Kentucky mule. Um, and then we're going to finish it off. We've got a little bit of lime. We're going to squeeze it in there. Drop it in. Stir it with something really important like your finger. Give it a little shake. And I have Jared's dark and sithy. So I'm going to raise my glass to you, sir, and thank you for joining me tonight. I'm going to do the same over at you with my Galaxy Wedge Sith Chalice. That is an excellent Sith Chalice. Jared, we've got the drink made. Tell us about Jared. Tell us about Jared getting to Star Wars. Tell us about Jared and the Nerd Academy. Get, give us the 411 that we need. Uh, yeah. Uh, hi, I'm uh, Jared, the dark Jedi Bachman Stubbs. Uh, I host all the shows over at the nerd Academy podcast network. Um, 
I've been a Star Wars fan as long as I can remember. Some of the earliest memories I have revolve around Star Wars. I have a very faint memory of seeing Attack of the Clones in the theaters with my dad. Um, I do have a more solid memory of seeing Revenge of the Sith. Uh, I kind of came up during the dark times. I was I was a kid. I was in kindergarten when uh, Revenge of the Sith came out. So most of my time as a fan was spent under the assumption that Star Wars, as far as the main narrative, cinematically was no more. Um, so I, I I was a Legends kid growing up and got to uh, experience all of that material at a very young age. I couldn't get enough of it. I was, you know, avid reader as a kid. Um, so yeah, I was just all over legends, all over any encyclopedia and source book. I could get my hands on books, everything. And, you know, Disney announced new stuff. And I, I was, I was on the other side of the fight for a while. Uh, not for the same reasons as some people <laughs> to make fun of on the internet um, <laughs> but I, I i was a little slow coming around to the new canon um but the force awakens was probably the the straw that broke the camel's back of star wars is back and that movie just filled me with so much joy and helped me realize just how much i love star wars where it was like i knew but seeing the force awakens and um, the the full body reaction I had to just seeing the words a long time ago in a galaxy far far away, um, it was it was it was like a transcendent experience, um, and ever since 2018 I've been in the podcast game. Uh, most of the people in the Nerd Academy uh, used to be a part of the Do Back Discussion Network. We decided to go off and do our own thing at the end of 2019. Started the Nerd Academy. Uh, it, early 2020, and here we are. We have our main show, the Nerd Academy podcast, where we talk entertainment news and comic book movie stuff mostly. We have our show, Campus Life, which is basically us just shooting the breeze, just talking. Um, we have one of our newer shows, the Nerd Academy Movie Club, where every month we uh, review and do audio commentaries for different movies with a different theme. For Black History Month, we're doing Ryan Coogler. Uh, for March to usher in the Snyder cut, we're doing the, uh, the Zack Snyder DC movies. <laughs> so might be having a couple more of these. Uh, <laughs> You're going to have to get ready for that one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a lot more forgiving of them than Travis is. So it'll be a good time. <laughs> um, yeah, we have that. We have our new movie trivia showdown uh, recap show, the number one contender. Uh, and we have our Star Wars show, Knights of the Nerd Republic. Uh, which has kind of been the gateway uh, to me getting to know a lot of really, really cool people in this space. Um, so, yeah. That's awesome. Well, and something you say, I want to come back to for a minute. You said you were in kindergarten when Revenge of the Sith came out. So that makes you what, 22, 23? 22, 23. Okay, you're, you're, okay, you're 22. I'm 42. So I'm 20 years older than you are. And I'm so fascinated by you saying especially to be your age, you know, to be a legends kid and to have, you know, the connection to really be head over heels for legend stuff, because honestly, to a degree, you know, I grew up with the original trilogy, of course. And, you know, for me, the legends filled the time until we found out we were getting the prequels. And so that was that key part of like survival. And that was our dark time. But then for you, yeah. 
you came in at the end of the prequels, they had existed. Like you said, Star Wars had always existed for you in your life. Um, but then you kind of went into the second dark period and it was the lead up to the Disney purchase, which, you know, Legends was still, you know, a thing at that point, because when that it wasn't until after Disney bought, it was like another year, maybe when they booted it all and kind of reset the canon. Um, but we have almost parallel paths being Legends kids coming into Force Awakens. Same thing. I mean. Yeah, I was in an age I was in college when the prequels came out. And so I was excited because, holy hell, we're getting Star Wars for the first time in, you know, however long. But then I got it. And while I was never hateful, I was never mad and entitled. Like, why didn't they give me what I wanted for a long time? They were I was just like, mm, this isn't what I wanted. Like I was, you know, it was more of a personal thing. Like I don't. And so I kind of my joke was always just I don't recognize those. It's like it's like my version of canon. Like mm, that didn't really happen. I have, of course, come to appreciate them much more as I've gotten older, as the Star Wars universe has expanded, gone in different directions. Um, but the same thing, when Force Awakens came out, those words came up on the screen and it was chills. Like it was, this is what it's supposed to be. This is what I've been waiting for. And um, and so that's very fascinating to me. But like I said, especially to hear somebody your age talk about legends like we don't get a lot of you know connection to that so my question for you is what is the top of the legends tier for you uh oh god that's so hard um it's a, it's a favorite child question i know yeah it really is for me um i've always been a darth vader fanboy. um you know i i i it, it's always been vader for me vader and anakin um, so I'm inclined to say the Dark Lord trilogy okay. of Labyrinth of Evil, the Revenge of the Sith novel, and Dark Lord, the Rise of Darth Vader. Um, I really love those. I love that that snapshot we get of the end of the war, um, that really hyper-realized version of Revenge of the Sith, then followed up by Dark Lord, where we get to see Anakin for the truly for the first time give himself over to the Darth Vader persona. Mm -hmm. uh, and especially when you read um Dark Lord the Rise of Darth Vader as an answer to Revenge of the Sith like you're supposed to. It's um it's it's you know it's the dragon. It's the dragon that gets talked about throughout Revenge of the right. Sith mm -hmm. taking like that's the dragon's book. Right. Um also, the Darth Plagueis novel is a masterpiece. Um, absolutely love Plagueis. I love a lot of the comic book runs. Um, I yeah, there's a lot there, and and well, a big part of the reason why I love Legends as much as I do, despite the fact that like I totally wasn't in the age range for most of it. Sure, was when I was in like first grade or kindergarten, my uncle got me this this, and maybe anybody listening or watching will know what I'm talking about. It was this big, this huge, thick, black Star Wars encyclopedia that had like Vader's face on it. And it said like the complete visual guy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was literally just like it was it, it was like an encyclopedia Britannica, but for Star Wars. That was just like we're going all the way back to like the formation of the Jedi and we're going all the way up to like the first edition pretty much wrapped up with um uh Jaina Solo taking out mm -hmm. Darth Titus. And then there was like an amended version that was a little bit longer that included the events of Star Wars Legacy. But that was even but like that came out before Star Wars Legacy even wrapped up. 
So it didn't have like Cade finally beating Darth Crate and all that stuff. Um, so I, I fell in love with Legends as like, in a weird way, kind of, it's perfect because in the same way, like, you know, Podcast of the Wills is all about talking about Star Wars as a sacred text. I fell in love with it, reading it as though what I had in my hands was a history book. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So like, I, I, I got that love of it where it's like, I'm ex- like, I'm experiencing events of something secondhand and getting all the information I need without having to have been alive and literate and old enough to have been reading how many years of comic books and novels to understand like the current mode of star Wars. So yeah, I, I grew up on legends and you know, I, whenever we were cleaning out the studio at my home or cleaning out the garage rather to uh, build the studio, I found that encyclopedia and just started flipping through. And I kind of had this like weird moment where I was like, Oh, like so much of, of the deep lore. I know like, th- like this book put me ahead of like way more people than I realized it did. <laughs> like in a weird way where I was like, mm-hmm. I don't like, I, I I was six and I was like, Ooh, eggs are good. And like, I shouldn't know who eggs are good. Like, those people probably shouldn't. Cause like, you know, have a life, you know, like, <laughs> Grass. but um but look yeah. what you've been able to do with it now you you have this podcast and you have this network and you're doing trivia and you're you know you've used those powers for good and we're so very proud of you jared <laughs> i i i needed that thank you <laughs> i'm always gonna be i'm always here to enable anyone for star wars um that, that's really fascinating to me I, it's so interesting not that i have preconceived notions about younger star Wars fans, but we talk all the time about, you know, you can almost peg and I've, I've written an article like three different times in my head, but never actually written it in real life, trying to compare age brackets, star Wars trilogy. Like, you know, how does that line up with being a Gen Xer or a millennial or where were you, what era were you born in and how does that relate to, worldview like you can see these parallels and one day i'm gonna actually flesh that out into something but in the meantime i think it's, it's there's a lot to mine from that though because like i'm i'm a zillennial like i'm that yeah. weird dividing line where you know the first phone i had was a flip phone and i remember vhs tapes but like i also don't remember 9-11 really you know right. it's that weird dividing line so I'm sure there's a lot of other fans out there who have like a really, I don't want to say cursory knowledge. Cause like, I want to give myself more credit than that. Cause I have more than sure. a cursory knowledge of the legends canon. That's right. But I think there's a lot of like Z people who have that, like, Oh, I saw action figures of Darth Nihilus, mm-hmm. but I was eight and something as complicated as an RPG of like you know, with Knights of the Nerd Republic was a little above like an eight year old's pay grade of like the right. kind of game you can really sit down and enjoy. I'm 22 and I still have problems with that kind of game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally get that, and so I, it's fascinating to me. I, as as I one day turn that into some actual research, I may have to consult you, and we'll we'll get some more feedback about all those I, different I, things. I, that's a fascinating concept that I, you know, Hey, Hey, I'm, I'm happy to get tagged into any project. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, we, we have started a thing here. Um, since I've been doing the live show, 
we're doing lists and I say every week, you know, like there's not enough star Wars lists already. Let's do one more. Um, and watching you seeing your show, seeing you're in your, in your studio, obviously you have a deep, deep love and knowledge for star Wars, but you have a deep, deep love and knowledge for a lot of things. Pop culture. I see Harry Potter. I see Avenger stuff. Um, I know sometimes cookie cop makes his way into the equation. We don't have to go there tonight. No, no need for cookie cop. We're going to be on our best behavior. I agree with you on that one. I, I, I mean, there's, Every, it's not like everybody just us, be cool. It's not like any of us control him. I'm just going to pray. See, there you go. Um, and so it occurred to me seeing that, seeing that this kind of widespread love that you have for all these different fandoms, all these different cultures, all these different things. I thought a fun list for you would be your top seven Star Wars moments in pop culture. Um, it could be, you know, I threw out some examples and I'm not going to throw out what my examples were in case they end up in your list. I know your list, but our listeners don't. And we're going to get into that. Um, but I just thought that would be a fun way to go. So we're going to start at seven and I'm going to put the, put them up on the screen and I'm just going to let you talk about them. I want to hear, you know, what what it is that you liked about them, what, you know, made them important. Um, because I think it's fun to go in a lot of different tangents about Star Wars and what better one than Star Wars and where it has showed up all over other places in the world. Yeah. And I, uh, it's interesting because I, my list, I originally was like in that mindset of like where else it has shown up. Um, but my list kind of ended up becoming the moments where it completely and utterly dominated the zeitgeist. Um, you know, and I, I, I noticed that and I liked that as I, as you sent me your list over the weekend ahead of time and I got a chance to look at it as soon as I saw it, I went, I see what he's doing here and I'm totally on board for that. So yeah, and I, good. I, I, I'm excited. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, if, really? if we're going to be, let's jump in. in number seven, number seven, robot chicken. I had to put it on its own. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, like there's another thing on this list that's related to robot chicken, but it needed to be on its own. Um, at least for me, uh, the style of humor and that they bring to the star Wars robot chicken specials and skits. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I think that if, at least for me, it scratches a very specific sense of humor that I have. Um, that is like deeply referential, but also really absurd. Like I always say like absurdist comedy is the best comedy. Like I love always sunny. I love, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Mick Kroll and John Mulaney's two man yeah. show. Well, hello. And it's just weird. It's just weird and loves being weird. And the thing that I think sets robot chicken apart from other star Wars parodies and spoofs and stuff of that nature is that it is so deeply rooted in the lore. Like you could do bits that are just kind of like a cursory, you know, Oh, you know, it's Darth Vader and whatever. And like the joke is that it's Darth Vader. Like, no, the joke is Darth Vader saying something that Darth Vader's probably thought, but in a way, way more crass and hilarious way. Me personally, there was a time and a point where I had the entirety of Palpatine finds out about the Death Star. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, it's so the good. whole thing. <laughs> where like I would watch it with Spencer, and you know, most of the people I bring up are all Nerd Academy people. So go check yeah. all all of all of my all of my brood out because <laughs> they're all lovely people. Uh, but we, <laughs> like Spencer would put it on, and I'd just be like standing up behind the computer, and just boop boop boop, go for Papa Palpatine. Hey, Vader, how's my favorite still? Whoa, whoa, what do you mean they blew up the Death Star? No, I'm not going to get your video demonetized. <laughs> That's right. But uh, he's crying. Um, <laughs> it's just phenomenal. You know, I remember uh, being somebody who was like super into the Force Unleashed when it was coming out. Um, the fact that they had like a Force Unleashed 2 trailer in Robot Chicken. Mm -hmm. That there's like a whole bit. Uh, dedicated to uh, Vader trying to hide the fact that the Star Killer clone is on the loose, and the Imperial <laughs> officer runs up to him while he's in the cafeteria with Palpatine. He's like, "So the clone of Star Palpatine's <laughs> like, Vader, own him, yeah, like <laughs> how it ends." Um, uh, Levi and I, uh, have all we've, we've done episodes where we talked about like what our Star Wars elevator pitches would be. Hey, Jerry, what's up? Um, well, we've talked about what our pitches for like what if like we could green light, green light any project, and Levi and I kind of like collectively talk a lot about what we refer to as the Sith Com, <laughs> which would be something like the office are always sunny, but like about dark side characters and how, you know, going back to labyrinth of evil, the entire plot of that book revolves around a sitcom style. Criff up on Newt Gunray's part. Like he, like he runs like hell out of Kato Nemoidia so fast that he leaves the only for communication with Darth Sidious hollow chair right there for Obi-Wan and Anakin to bring back to Coruscant, which then kicks off, like, again, this really slapstick chain of events where Gunray is in, like, a hollow call with Dooku and Sidious and Grievous. But he's like, so, um, promise not to be mad. <laughs> the Jedi might have the chair. That bait, and then they go, okay, goodbye, Gunray, and they hang up on him, and it just it's Palpatine freaking out, going, abduct me, invade Coruscant, come take me now, <laughs> no, now, do you too, now. That is like that. It's so absurd and funny if you think about it for too long, because it's like the plot to like an episode of like The Office are always sunny. Absolutely, and it's the Robot Chicken has that tone down, and there's still. Well, Seen, you know, like over yeah. this uh, uh, winter break, Levi showed me the Yarrow Poof ones that I didn't even know existed, <laughs> and I almost wet myself. They're so good, and it you hit on something really important, which is yes, it's absurdist humor, but it's rooted in deep good fan knowledge. And if you've ever watched any Seth Green interviews where he talks, like Seth Green is like us, like he's a our kind of Star Wars fan. He is deep into Star Wars. You know, and, and so that only that's what makes it so good. You know, he's funny on his own. And then you take these two things and marry it together. I have a I have an example that I'm going to throw up at the end after we get done with your list um, that kind of reminds me and kind of parallels that. The other thing that you said, the idea of the sitcom, I love that. I have carried around in my head a version of that. It's not a sitcom, 
I don't have a good Star Wars name for it, but one of my all-time favorite television shows is The West Wing. And what I need is an Aaron Sorkin version written about the Imperial Senate, but it's West Wing in space. Like, that's what I need. So good. It'd be that's, so that's good. My, that's my elevator pitch. I need Aaron Sorkin to write a Star Wars. That's what I need. I mean, and, and it sounds like a funny thing, but like, to me, it would fall in the vein of like Rogue One. Like yeah. what we got out of Rogue One as a good war movie, it stands by itself if you didn't have any other Star Wars. It's a great war movie. And we weren't, I mean, we, the, it was one of those things that you thought, I don't know if, how this is going to play. Like when you heard the pitch for what that movie was going to be. And as we kind of heard, it's a heist movie. It's a, you know, whatever. Solo was a heist movie way more than Rogue One was really. You know, Rogue One's a good war movie, a little bit of a spy thriller. Um, but it works. And so that's why I need Aaron Sorkin to write some sort of snappy, fast paced drama that revolves around the Senate or revolves around maybe the formation of a third new Republic. Oh, that'd be so good. That'd be, that would be really good. I would even, I would, I feel like if I were to pitch that I would set it during the early years of the new Republic. I mean, granted, you know, it, well, Aaron, Aaron Sorkin can write humor, so it gives you the ability to set yeah. up like some fails, some things we tried that didn't work, or can't believe we made that guy an ambassador, or you know he doesn't even speak. Or, you know, there, there's some way to, you know, to build in that Sorkin humor represents with it too. <laughs> That's right. So, Robot Chicken is an excellent kickoff to this list. Are you ready for number six, sir? Yes, I am. Awesome. We have, and I can't wait for you to talk about this, the prequel meme renaissance. I, <laughs> there's something profoundly hilarious and Gen Z about the fact that the entirety of Revenge of the Sith, kind of to a fault, <laughs> is now one of the greatest comedies ever written. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, and they, this is kind of a double-edged sword because I love a what about the droid attack on the Wookiees <laughs> just as much as anybody, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I say the words, this is where the fun begins more often than I wish I did, you know? Which, by the way, on Force Connect this past Friday night, our friend Jackson the Lepi, when I came on Force Connect, came in and he said, I just have one question. What about the droid attack on the Wookiees? <laughs> and then disappeared. Yeah, yeah, that's... <laughs> And sometimes it's all you need, you know, that's, that's all you need. So there's something funny because again, it's that weird, like very particular internet humor where the irony of something is the irony and the joke of something is its existence. And I think that the, where, where it becomes a weird double-edged sword is that you have just the hilarious concept of prequel memes of how you can turn every line of Revenge of the Sith into a meme somehow. You know, and, you know, you, you, you got plenty. You got the negotiations were short. I'll try spinning. That's a good trick. The sentence wizard. The phrase wizard. I don't like sand. It's coarse, rough, irritating, blah, 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 blah. But Revenge of the Sith specifically is just this gold mine of memes. That I think, and don't get me wrong, I love Revenge of the Sith. It's probably my second or third favorite Star Wars movie that has convinced people it's a like unmitigated masterpiece because they're so entertained by the memes that like 
they're post ironic now <laughs> that I see a lot of people like my age group be like, Oh, Revenge of the Sith is the best Star Wars movie. And I'm like, it's really good. Mm-hmm. But, like the dialogue is still <laughs> well. And, and to add to that, and to add to that, as as I was able to share with our friends Jerry and Scotty a few weeks ago on the Bomb Bag Cast, it also brings in Backstroke of the West. I mean, <laughs> all you need is that weird dialogue translated to Chinese and then translated back to English through another English to Chinese translator. You've got everything you need right there. A la gold, man. A la like, gold. It, it, it's a masterpiece. I was so... Do you have any idea, like, the, like, like the existential cosmic rage that filled me that somebody finally beat me to a backstroke of the West episode? Because <laughs> I was like, I've been sitting on that idea for so long, and every time I'm like, man, is this the week we all try to do backstroke of the West? <laughs> nah, I'm not gonna be like, hey guys, watch, watch this insane version of Revenge of the Sith this week. Fit this into your schedule. Um, and then I saw well, the, the <laughs> you oh, at two brute, like it was well, beat me to it. Well, here I was the biggest shock for me. The biggest shock for me was that it came after their Mad Libs episode. And I thought if they're doing this kind of stuff, they've already done this and I just don't know about it. So when I messed Jerry and Scotty and they're like, what are you talking about? I was like, oh man, like you need to run to wherever you can and watch it because it's so them. But here's what I think. I think there's an opportunity for a second go round because the night we did that, we did get taken off of YouTube because we may have played clips for way too long. And even the sound effects, I think the algorithm got it pulled. So I don't even think it was the sound effects. I think it because you guys are playing the Darth Plague against the Wise scene. Um, <laughs> it was the music. It, it was the music. I think it was 100% yeah. the music. I think if there was a version of Backstroke of the West where somebody took out the music or put like some type of royalty free discount version in um which would be herculean <laughs> to do like, there's one of those like there's some people there were just saints on the internet who go 1800 extra miles for no reason <laughs> except for the entertainment of other people but i think it was 100 percent that scene absolutely so well and here's what i've pro- here's what i've oh. proposed to them you know, some some live reads, some script readings are all the rage right now. The Blue Bantha Milk guys. Here's what it needs to be. They need to do it again. And we need to get a group of people to play the characters and read the dialogue while it runs on silent on the screen. I know Jerry's in the chat. <laughs> yes, he is. I will get dry cleaned my Anakin Skywalker cosplay. <laughs> like I will shave my beard. I will spray or re-dye my hair and get the costume like like convention ready yeah if that if we're doing a backstroke of the west meeting <laughs> meaning oh, reading it, can't read or speak um jerry, <laughs> jerry, jerry's calling it and, and and i'll come on i'll come on and read any weird voice in the accent i can just to be a part of it <laughs> oh, that's amazing. But yeah, no, I just the prequel memes, they I'm simul I simultaneously love them and hate them. Uh because like I get to a point where, and again, this is like really like weird internet, you know, arguing with strangers territory. 
but like the same people who talk about Revenge of the Sith being this like amazing Shakespearean tragedy are also the same people who make memes out of Anakin killing younglings. Um, and that's where like there's a weird cognitive dissonance for me where it's like, I, I don't understand how that seems funny if you think it's like this, this like beautiful and like heartbreaking tragedy. If the scene where he's murdering children is like yep. still funny. And again, like, it's only funny because of like how it's framed. Mm-hmm. There's like an absurd comedy to it. Absurd. It is, That's exactly you know, it. To like have this like little kids. What are we going to do? There's just enough time that it simmers that part of you kind of starts to let your guard down again. And then he turns on the lightsaber <laughs> and then it cuts away. And like, I can't decide like watching the movie today. I can't decide like whether or not I'm sick to my stomach or laughing like an idiot. <laughs> so it's clear that Revenge of the Sith is the absurdist comedy that it was not intended to be. Because That's the internet exactly it. didn't mean to reference my favorite Childish Gambino album, but it's because, <laughs> because the internet. That's it. That's it. it yeah. It, it's because this really strange sense of humor and the way that that very strange sense of humor has extrapolated onto star Wars. It's, it's yeah. magnificent. It's totally there. I think that's a fabulous one. Well, number five, we're going to keep this party rolling. This is a good one. There's no way anybody's going to argue this one. The man himself, baby, as a version of what you sent to me said, baby MF Yoda. Those are his real middle initials. Everybody don't be scared. I, I, I will say I did clean it up. It says father mucking. Yes, you did. <laughs> so yes, you did. I, I thought that was funny and it took me way too long to get that in there because auto <laughs> did not like me trying to slip the, flip the letters around. It kept, it kept um, trying to change it to ducking, didn't it? <laughs> it yeah. It, it wanted it to say father ducking is what it wanted to say. Yeah. Uh, and it didn't. Appreciate Which there could it. be something there too. We don't know yet. Yeah, you know what? Don't Google that. Don't Google that. Yeah, yeah. You know, that the internet still gets weird. Yeah, baby Yoda. Make sure your uh, yeah, make sure your um, antivirus is going. Um, this little guy lit the internet on fire, and uh, continued to light him on fire every time he was on screen. I cannot think of a like I. I I think Grogu, Baby Yoda, whatever you want to call him, is on the level of Darth Vader as far as like Star Wars iconography. And it's only been two years of this adorable, like chaos walking eldritch being here. Been he's, he's only been around. Eater. Yeah. Hey. Bring them all on. I oh, where is he? Oh. <laughs> Hold on. I only have one more and it's so small that you can't see it. And that's because when it came in the mail, where'd he go? Here he is. Every, I know everybody's made this joke, but when the black series showed up in the mail, I thought it was a joke. And obviously it makes sense. It's to scale for the black series figures. It's the smallest yeah. thing I've ever seen. In fact, the only reason I haven't opened it is because it's so small. Normally I take stuff out and put it on a shelf somewhere, but I'll lose this dang thing if I open it. So, <laughs> Keeping with uh, the Grogu discussion, my cousin, like back whenever, like you couldn't get your hands on anything, Baby Yoda, uh, be it because it wasn't out yet, or like it was just a run on everything. He tried to order something online, um, and it was a custom thing, 
And uh, he accidentally ended up with two. <laughs> and when he got it, he was like, well, this is horrifying and cursed. So uh, I'm sending you one as well. <laughs> so we ended up with true. this. Oh, my. It is a rubber. Wow. Okay. This, That's this, terrifying. This is another one of the many things that live just off camera in the studio. <laughs> keeping keeping like, you in check. Yeah, I I I think I think this keeps us safe from Cookie Cop quite frankly. Like I think that like this is the one thing that scares Cookie Cop. Seems uh, fair. <laughs> yeah. No, just everything everything was coming up baby Yoda. There is there's no getting away from him and his influence on the franchise as a whole. And it he just became like the newest icon for everything. You know, I, I, there's, he's like the preeminent Star Wars symbol right now. Mm -hmm. And he's up there with like Vader and R2. And it's, it's so great because, and you've heard this on every show you've listened to. I've probably said it on every show I've ever been on where we've talked about baby Yoda at some point. I still call him that. I know he has a name. Baby Yoda's the deal. That's the way it works. But my mother, who is aware of Star Wars because she had me as her son her whole life, and my dad, who's into sci-fi and you know helped get me into Star Wars, um, she was aware of Star Wars but doesn't care about Star Wars at all. But my dad started watching The Mandalorian when it came out, and she watches it with him every week, and it's because of that little green fella right there. So much so that my dad called me like two weeks before Christmas. He's like, your mom really wants her own baby Yoda. I need you to go get one and sneak it to me at the house sometime so she doesn't know about it. And now, I kid you not, it sits in a place of prominence on like the entertainment stand in their den in their apartment. And it just, it cracks the me up. The way yeah, and other people, other friends that I have um, that will, like they started watching Mandalorian and it's because of baby Yoda. Like it has brought people in and I think that's exactly why it goes on this list it's a pop culture impact. Like it was, you know, if the time person of the year wasn't baby Yoda, the year it came out, you know, obviously he was robbed and there were lots of Photoshopped copies of that. So I like to think that he is anyhow. Um, but it's a huge pop culture impact. This silly little puppet. I think in any type of, you know, and again, I'm going to show my age and like awareness of pop culture, you know, something like the i love the 90s like little mini mm -hmm. few things that used to be on vh1 those ever come back and they do like a, i love the 20 teens i love the 2020s there's gonna be like a five minute segment about baby yoda without a doubt like in the same way that we talk about like furbies and like pet rock and that like like this was a moment this like again, I think there are very few things that are as Star Wars took over the pop culture zeitgeist as baby father mucking Yoda. <laughs> well, and I love and I go back to in season one when Werner Herzog does that interview and he's talking about being on set and the and this man about came to tears because he was so moved by this stupid puppet that is Yoda but cuter like it had an impact on this cranky old German filmmaker and it was, it's a big deal. It really is. 
it, yeah, he, he, he's the icon of the show. Like the fact that season two ended the way it did, and the big conversation was, "What's the Mandalorian without Baby Yoda?" Mm-hmm. And, and they the, tested it. Yeah, and the biggest hurdle for season three is going to be, "What's the show like when this guy isn't getting in all kinds of hijinks?" And moving the plot forward just by his very presence. He's just as integral to the who called who called what's I did. I said that stupid oh. little puppet. Jerry, I'm so sorry. You're right. Baby Yoda is not stupid. I uh, I mean, you know, it, 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 he's head empty, no think. He's a baby. He don't <laughs> he's um, a good boy. He's yeah, he yeah, he's the baby. Um it is what it is. I there's it's one of those like it's it speaks for itself. It's Baby Yoda is Grogu. You can't he's, can't argue he, with it. He is as part of Star Wars uh pop cultural DNA as the mm-hmm. word I am your father and may the force be with you. He has his own cereal. I mean, if you if yeah. you need to see, you go to the grocery store and you can get baby Yodios or whatever they're called. Baby Yodios. I mean, it's got to be something like that. In fact, it was on clearance at our grocery store not too long ago, and my kids were dying for me to buy it. And I thought, but see, here's the thing. I would buy it and just not open it because it's a collectible, but they just want to eat the sugary cereal. It's the kind of dad that I am. No, you can't have the cereal. I want the box. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Baby Yoda for sure. Number four, and I loved it. This is exactly how you sent it to me. Every single parody. What's the old saying? Mockery is the highest compliment, you know, mm-hmm. from space balls to the fact that every episode of any long running TV show has an episode or at least one bit that is them just recreating Star Wars. As a kid, again, pre the Clone Wars. And at the time where Star Wars is pretty much. Its moment has kind of ended. I cannot understate the glee that came from me every time a TV show decided it was going to very, very, very directly and aggressively parody Star Wars. <laughs> I remember here. Here's a fun deep cut for anybody in the chat. For the Fairly Odd Parents TV movie Abra Catastrophe. <laughs> begins with Timmy like reliving the plots of like a bunch of like popular movies there's a harry potter bit there's a spider-man bit very clearly supposed to be parodying the toby Maguire stuff <laughs> but it opens with timmy turner and cosmo recreating the best pin duel like timmy's literally just wearing like the beige uh cloud city fatigues that luke has on <laughs> stuff like that there's an episode of jimmy neutron where they're like, oh, hey, we're going to put on a production of Macbeth as the school play. And they decide to like do it in space. So the fight between Macbeth and Macduff is a lightsaber duel. Now take it on to like, you know, space balls, three family guy specials to the point where one is called Blue Harvest. <laughs> yep. Which is a joke that you have to, that you need like level 10 Star Wars nerd clearance <laughs> to get. Like like that, that that like that's such a high tier joke. I can't imagine trying to explain to somebody like okay, so 
Return of the Jedi was originally called Revenge of the Jedi, but do you know what a working title is? Okay, well, a working title is a title they use to keep a movie secret with the best that they can. It was called Blue Harvest. Why they call it Blue Harvest if it was Star Wars? Well, that was kept in secret. Like, I've tried to explain to people why it's called Blue Harvest. And it's like, I, I it, the fact that they went with that mm-hmm. is hysterical. Simpsons has done it. Every show has some type of Star Wars parody. And that's not even addressing stuff that is meant to just straight up be its own parody like a Spaceballs. Or a Saturday Night Live and all or, the things that they do. I mean, first of all, <laughs> Undercover Boss, Kylo Ren, that's a newer cut, but it still makes me laugh. Like, it's ridiculously funny. My name is Matt. <laughs> Matt the Radar Tech. No, that I remember. I remember as a kid. Like they had that bit whenever Attack of the Clones was coming out. They had a skit where in sync were dressed up as a bunch of Jedi. And then everybody found out, like, no, this was actually gonna be in the movie. So he made a skit about it. Yep. It, it's beautiful. The Bill Murray Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars. Like it the casting videos, those always crack me up. The all the different doing impressions, doing the casting. Those, oh those my God. are so freaking good. What's his name? Being Christopher Walken, trying to be Obi Wan Kenobi, or you know, um, the newer ones, the Force Awakened ones. Those are pretty funny too. I um, okay now going back to the prequel memes thing. Now I want to see one of those made, but with the prequels, like keeping the Christopher Walken as Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Anakin, you this dark lord twist your mind until now. Wow, look at us. We got the very thing you swore to destroy. Like it <laughs> I needed right Man, I didn't now. know I didn't know I was getting impressions. That's a good walk-in. Thank you. <laughs> Parody. You're exactly right. Spaceballs, you know, that's kind of the that's that top tier as well. I yeah. mean, I have I have threatened for a long time and I check every now and then to see if somebody has done it and they haven't. Um one of my Actually, the very first Star Wars podcast that I listened to when I kind of started discovering Star Wars podcasts several years ago was Star Wars Minute with Pete and Alex. I love that show. I love what they do. And I have decided at some point, and it's it's a lot of effort. It's a lot of recording. It's a lot of whatever. But I want to do Spaceballs the Minute, just like in the merchandise in the movie. It says Spaceballs the Movie. It's going to be Spaceballs Minute, and we're going to take Spaceballs apart one minute at a time, and we're going to get into all of that. And it nobody's done it yet. There's a whole website that has documented the 167 whatever it is movies by minute podcast. So far, they haven't touched that one, and I keep waiting for my chance to strike. I I don't know if like Mel Brooks actually was the one who posted it or said it, or if it was just the internet being the internet. But there was a hilarious thing, like right after The Force Awakens came out, where somebody was like, there was this poster that was circulating that was like, Spaceballs, The Money Awakens. <laughs> uh, yep. But yeah, Star Wars parodies totally are, brilliant. Um, are, are just as, almost as, if not just as prolific as the franchise itself. For sure. For sure. Well, we're coming into our top three here. Moving into number three, this is another good one. And I think this is appropriate for somebody of your age, of your era. We talk about this. There's a lot of prequel stuff in this list, and I'm not mad about that. I think that's very appropriate. Number three, we have prequel buzz. 
I'm not, you know, I love <laughs> the trilogy. The Last Jedi is my favorite Star Wars movie. Kylo Ren is my favorite character. These are all things anybody who's familiar with the work I've done and what I do knows this uh, painfully so. That said, we're never going to get back to the point where Leonardo DiCaprio was spotted at a Toys R Us with a Darth Maul action figure. Uh, <laughs> hi, Pete. Hello, sir. I still can't believe I'm sandwiched in with so many incredible people who are on ATG. Like, I, like, 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 like I'm like, oh, yeah, Ash Crossan. Okay, good. You need to clean up that mess. Um, <laughs> but no, all joking aside. Um, yeah, it's just the the lead up to the prequels, and you know what? I, what 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 movie was it that the Phantom Menace trailer was attached to? Like pre YouTube, where mm-hmm. the trailer it's a trailer for the trailer and a commercial about the trailer having a trailer for the trailer, <laughs> um, where people just all bought tickets to see this movie to see the trailer for Phantom Menace and then leave and then left. Yep, like that's that's something special, and. <laughs> The seeing how hardcore fandom manifested in the not quite internet age, remarkable. And you know, it was it was just going into that. I remember, and again, I don't remember the lead up to the Phantom Menace. I don't remember the lead up quite as well to Attack of the Clones. I remember at the MTV Movie Awards when Attack of the Clones was nominated for Best Fight between Yoda and Count Dooku. Mm-hmm. And I remember vividly Yoda accepting the award. Like they did a CGI and animated him in his little floating pod hovering yes, age and like accepting like the popcorn thing. Like mm, an honor to be nominated. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I just remember as a kid freaking out. Like, this is so cool. You know, like, like there's like, there are these people like addressing the existence of Star Wars and stuff like that. I remember having like Attack of the Clones cereal that like just explained the plot of the movie on the back. And I just I remember reading that and going into Revenge of the Sith. Uh, there's a store in uh, I, I, from what I understand, it is a chain, um, but there's a store close to where I live called Cash and Culture. And they were having a going out of business sale. And most of what they sell are older video games and toys. I poked my head in while they were doing their going out of business sale. And they had a bunch of Revenge of the Sith action figures with that distinct packaging where like, like most of the card attached to it was that like weirdly shaped version of Vader's helmet with like the fire. And then you flip it over on the back and there's like the glowing little portraits of all the line i started being filled with so much nostalgia just looking at just looking at the box just the aesthetics of the box it's something else that era you know i you know i think figure out what the next one is um because the the top three are just holy crap there's star wars you know and it's three different eras of holy crap star wars Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for sure I think the prequel era had a very, I don't want to say that it was better than any of the other ones that are, we're going to talk about in the next two, but it was certainly different. It was. And it was 
again, for somebody that was my age, I was in college when the Phantom Menace came out and we had had this big run up and the build up to getting Star Wars back. And it was so we were just excited. I mean, we got the special editions in the mid nineties when they released them at the theaters and that was fine. I had seen, I had only seen return of the Jedi at the theater. I was born in 78. So star Wars was out. I was a little too young for empire. I saw return of the Jedi at the drive-in movie theater in the back of my parents station wagon in central Illinois. And then that was, then it was over. And so then I got, and so then I got to see special editions at the theater and that was huge. That was a big deal. I had my, unspecialized VHS box set. Then I bought the specialized VHS box set and I had those. My favorite, the buildup again, it was such a cultural phenomenon and this is maybe a good reckoning connecting to what you're saying. I've told this story, I think a couple of times when Phantom Menace came out, our local TV news crew staged a line at the movie theater for a 10 o'clock stand-up spot on the news because the movie was going to drop at midnight and we were all hanging out at a buddy's house and we were watching the, the news happened to be on and they were like, this reporter's there. Oh, these people are lined up. It's the return of Star Wars. It's a bit. And so we kind of panicked and we we're like, we've got to get over there because we need to get good seats. We better go wait in line. Not thinking that in Montgomery, Alabama, that was going to be an issue. It wasn't. We got there and there was nobody there. They did a tight shot on the reporter out on the sidewalk in front of the theater staged a line so we hung out at the ice cream place we still got good seats we watched it but even in alabama the news people were like this is a big deal we're going to report about it on the 10 o'clock news and that was the build-up and that was the excitement of holy cow star wars is back yeah uh with the next one i have a very similar story to that actually <laughs> <laughs> well, well let's keep let's keep it going the return of star wars number two is the return of star wars I the week of the release of The Force Awakens was magical. Like it didn't feel real. And it's still one of those weird like I I I'm so humbled and like in in love as a fan with the fact that I can just say like yeah, I was there opening night. I was there when the when the world met Ray and Finn and BB-8 and Poe Dameron and got to reunite with Han and Halea and Chewie and you know we all got to experience the incredibly complex character that is Kylo Ren and meet this man masquerading as a monster like we all we all got to have that moment as a fandom and like the two most take your breath away moments experiences i've ever had in a movie theater was seeing the force awakens and avengers endgame like i i have never seen a theater that packed before in my life i've never been i've never had that much of a communal experience with so many people in a room again like i in the internet age especially with something like star wars and just fandom stuff and in general having an having any experience that is without a shred of irony is really weird and special 
And I remember there wasn't, there was one instance during the Force Awakens midnight showing that anybody was acting like an idiot. Um, it was the first time Kylo Ren takes off his helmet, you know, so he, he gets up, takes the thing off. And like he that shot where he's like looking down and he, his head comes up. There was some guy really loudly in the back and went, he looks like Andy Samberg. Um, but like, aside from that, the entire experience was just everybody cheering and, you know, cheering and weeping and clapping and screaming. And from the moment Han Solo steps on that catwalk and goes, Ben! I've never been in a more tense room in my life. Because everybody knew what was about to happen. And it was like, I, like I've like i never been in a room that felt that tense like i've like it literally felt humid in the room from how just everybody just it went it went from like the concert like moving around everybody everybody everybody's engaged but like nobody can contain their excitement and then silence utter silence and tension that was just so much and I, it's one of those moments where I wish I started doing this sooner because I wish I could have talked about that night while it was still fresh. You know, I wish I could have talked at nauseum about just that energy and how electric it was because it, it was just that it was magical. And it it never stopped being magical. So it was never going to stop being just this magical experience. But I think that night of going in and watching The Force Awakens for the first time with the rest of the world, it was something, it felt, I think the return of Star Wars finally felt real. You know, like as a fan fandom, you know, we were spoiled by two different versions of the Clone Wars. So, yeah, we had Rebels, but at this point, it's not earth shattering to have a cartoon series. And we've had all the books and comics and video games and what have you for so long. But we had like an actual movie and a damn good one. That was special. Like there's, I keep saying that word, but that's what it was. It was special and it was magical. Um, my story similar to yours uh, was that whenever I went to see the rise of Skywalker with Spencer and Joel, uh, we went to a very, very big theater uh, about a couple hours away from our hometown. And we went in costume. Uh, Spencer went in his Jedi robes. Joel went as Return of the Jedi Luke. I was there as Kylo Ren. Um, I was not blonde yet. Uh, and we like got stopped by the local news to just like talk about our excitement for the movie. Uh, so like I think when you said that, I was like, yeah, like that was just the coolest thing. And uh, it's because Star Wars is pop culture. It is probably the most dominant force in all of pop culture and always will be. Uh, because it's so very much built on the collective unconscious that 
it begs to be talked about and parodied and just live in your brain because that's what it's meant to be. It's stories that already live in your brain from folklore and tales being passed down through generations. That's what Star Wars is. And having it return, have whatever bones about the sequel trilogy that you will, Star Wars is back. And even if you don't like the sequels and you don't like the standalones and you don't like Rebels and you don't like this and you don't like fun uh, and you kick puppies, I guess. Without that, you don't get the Mandalorian. Like, there, there's so many, like, this brought us to this, brought us to that, brought us here. And in my opinion, it all started the night The Force Awakens came out. And it was everything. And I really, really, really can't wait for the next time there is a fandom-wide moment of, oh my god, it's happening again. Like, I think Luke and the Mandalorian came close. Uh, but, you know, we, that didn't come with, like, the communal theatrical experience, and it was more of, like, a fan service thing than just a, like, it exists again. Um, but, yeah. I, I think that this the return of star Wars opening night of the force awakens is its own entity. And I think you hit on something really important. And I want to talk about this again when we get to number one, because it's absolutely going to play into that too. But like star Wars, while maybe not intentionally purposefully designed for star Wars thrives on community. Star Wars thrives on, the communal theater experience that we all had on some level, whether it was a staged line that did turn into a packed theater for the Phantom Menace or whether it was that moment sitting in that theater when Ben and uh, Han are on that catwalk. And you say that moment when he barks his name, that to me was as powerful as anything in that scene because I've, we've all had a parent or a dad or a grandfather who has barked our name like that to get our attention. You know, I yell at my kids sometimes, not because I'm a yeller, but because I need them to hear me in that moment, whether it's a threat of danger, don't run into the street in front of a car, whether it's don't touch that hot thing, like that connected on a very base primal nature to hear him and Harrison Ford, that one bit of acting, I could write a book about the way he barked that it felt like a dad getting his son's attention like that alone. But to come back to my point, the communal experience of Star Wars, we're seeing it now with podcasts and with live streams and podcast networks and these abilities to connect with a greater community. For me, I've told this story a bunch of times, too. This is why I shouldn't be on every week, because I keep telling the same stories over and over again. Um, but I went to Celebration in Orlando. It's the only one that I've been to so far. Can't wait for 2022. But when I went to Celebration Orlando, the day that I was there... First of all, I was just overwhelmed. I was only there for a day. A buddy of mine drove from Alabama to Orlando overnight, did one day, came back home. But we were there the day that Billy came out on stage and did Carrie's monologue from Star Wars right after Carrie had died. That She died in December. It was that following April. And to stand in a room full of people who all loved the same thing the same kind of way that they were willing to pay $125 to come in this building or more to 
walk around and all, you know, it was powerful and it was the power of community. Everybody was happy. Everybody was glad to be there. Nobody was walking around pissed because this one movie didn't go the way they wanted it to. It was a communal shared moment. And to be able to watch a human being who is still grieving the loss of her actual mother do this thing that connects with us as a community, like that was crazy powerful to me. Like that gave me chills in that moment to go, what did it take for, I, I think about, you know, what did it take for her to get up the nerve to go out on that stage in front of all these star Wars nerds and do this monologue that her mother was famous for. Like that was a huge community moment to me. And I think you hit it the nail on the head, the communal nature of star Wars comes around every time we get a new trilogy, every time we get a new something, baby Yoda and Mandalorian, that's a new communal star Wars moment to get excited about. Yeah. And I know at least for me personally, um, you know, the, the, the moment with Pond and Kylo Ren is, it is what it is and is so prolific and beautiful and tragic and all those things. I know. And maybe again, the, the 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 sequel trilogy discourse maybe has mildly spoiled my memory of seeing this scene for the first time. But as somebody who loves the concept of the Jedi and the Force and what it is meant to be, and that symbol of hope and strength and that mentality of being the change you want to see and like, you know, fighting the good fight. I remember just feeling like a current of electricity and like childlike awe whenever Ray, you know, like calls the lightsaber to her mm-hmm. and she just, you know, telekinetically whips it through the air past Kylo Ren into her hand. And just the look on her face where she's, she's looking at the, at the lightsaber and there's that look of like, somebody's got to do it, I guess. Right. Here we go. And I, I, it was in that moment. I was like, you're the next hero. Like I got to watch. And at the same time as so many other people, so many other fans on the planet got to see the galaxy's next champion be born mm-hmm. and how beautiful that is. And no amount of Mary Sue, BS, Ray Palpatine, Ray Kenobi, Ray Windu, Ray Binks, like conspiracy theory, fan theory, fan service, headcanon nonsense can ever, 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 ever change the gravity of that scene. The fact that it that it feels like in this really like weirdly like non-diegetic way that Kylo Ren is even having the same moment that we are that he's like, Oh, you did not come to play. And that look on his face of utter shock that he's realizing the galaxy's new champion is here Mm -hmm. and it's go time. It is that like, that's the moment of the force awakens that I just, I can't not just get overwhelmed watching. You know, and we talk about, and you hear it all the time, and, you know, Lucas himself has said it in different ways. You know, the idea of this being poetry, it rhymes. You know, where are the parallels? Where are the things that connect? That moment for me with Ray 
is Luke in Return of the Jedi. When Luke stands up, because in the first one, he blows up the Death Star. Cool, good, whatever. Empire, he's figuring it out. In Return of the Jedi, that's when we get to see the birth of Luke Skywalker, the hero. When he's standing in front of the Emperor and he gets that close and he throws that lightsaber away and says, I won't do it. I'm a Jedi like my father. But like that was that moment of like, oh, snap. Like he gets it. He's here. I don't know how it's going to turn out yet, but it's the birth of the hero. And I think that's exactly right with Ray seeing that moment. And for me, and I'll even play this card. I have four daughters and I have a wife. I live in a house with five. Actually, my dog's a girl too. I live in the house with six women. To see that hero show up on that screen is massively important. It's massively important to me. It's massively important to anybody. It should be important to anybody. You know, because for a long time, Princess Leia was the only woman in Star Wars, period. Like, but but to have that, to have that ability to see, to see my daughter, my 12 year old daughter, Harper, who loves Star Wars, like actually Ray's not her favorite character. Han Solo is her favorite character. Callus is a close second for her as far as characters go. I remember you bringing up Callus. But it still means something like it's still important Absolutely. for that to be a thing. And it's uh, it's the birth of the hero. And I think uh, what you said, especially, you know, to me, the birth of that hero to be able to witness that moment is incredibly powerful. You know, and I, I going off of what you just said there with Ray and just how important she is just beyond the lore, beyond, you know, force powers and whatever. I remember seeing the way that my little sister, who's eight now, reacts reacted and reacts to Ray and just that exact, that exact same moment of like, I've had every main character, every main character in almost every franchise, but star Wars, especially as being my first love, you know, fandom wise, Luke, Anakin, Obi-Wan, Han, Revan, Cade, star killer like they all look like me it's not hard for me to imagine myself as galen merrick or whatever but she got to see this woman who is unsure of herself but knows what the right thing to do is goes i don't know if i can pull this off but i know i need to try absolutely just that 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 heroism like that is what a hero is that is what a jedi is and seeing her see that like that was that mixed with you know lexi who's a part of the nerd academy one of my oldest friends she always liked star wars but she really caught the bug with the force awakens and she fell in love with ray and it meant so much to me to see like a good friend of mine have that moment where like they see the character and they're like, I feel seen. I feel like I'm in the fight now. I'm in the, I'm in the story and the, in the way that she like really, really loved Ray. And I was like, it, it, it melted my heart because I got to see it at two very different ages. I got to see somebody my age who was never like star Wars, but like, like right. star Wars and I got to see I got to see somebody fall in love with Star Wars twice at two different points in their lives. Mm-hmm. And it's because of Ray. Absolutely. 
That's beautiful. It's huge. It's huge. And it's so, you know, we're talking about the return of Star Wars in this sequel area, but I want to get us to your number one because holy crap, we can rewind the tape and we can do half of these things we've said again. Number one, May 1977. I mean, talk about a pop culture moment. There is nothing bigger than this. The, the fact that there are so many documentaries about just how Star Wars got made. Like, I feel like Empire of Dreams is probably the number one for most people. Sure. Um, or again, like this movie that was a weird passion project for a guy who was essentially an indie director who had like a really weird taste, a really specific taste who took world war two and Vietnam and, you know, spiritual MRI and the samurai and Arthurian legend and Westerns. And he put them all in a blender and poured out this smoothie that every single movie studio went, are you high? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> are you high? This is never going to sell. This is so silly and ridiculous and corny. You know, Fox, once they agreed to distribute it, had to make that, you know, that, that call where it was like, well, you need to take this movie. Otherwise, we're not going to distribute this other movie that's expected to be a huge blockbuster this year. And that movie didn't do even like a tenth of what Star Wars did. Yep. Jaws was the first blockbuster. Star Wars defined what a Absolutely. blockbuster is. It changed cinema. It changed movies. It changed movie going. It changed pop culture. It changed nerd culture. It changed marketing. It changed merchandising. It changed everything about the entertainment industry overnight. Mm -hmm. It's... You said you talk talking about documentaries, and I'll watch any documentary about anything I can get, and I'll watch any star. Like I'm a sucker for process, and how did they do that, and the making, and the conversation, and and all that kind of stuff. I will find myself sometimes because we've talked about the communal experience of Star Wars, and that idea of like the buzz when the prequels were coming, when Phantom Menace was finally coming out, and the buzz Star Wars is back. Force Awakens, we didn't think we were ever going to get anything else, and then we get that and the buzz. Those videos that you can find of May 1977 and those crowds lined up around Grauman's Chinese Theater in L.A., like I will watch videos of just like on the street reporters walking and talking to people and the excitement and the people are like, yeah, this is my 40th time to come and see this. Um, can you even imagine that today? Like, I can't. I cannot I wrap my head around it. And I know that, like, you know, whenever I was on Around the Galaxy, I, we, we, Pete and I talked a lot about, like, the ties between the MCU and Star Wars. One of the things that just is so incredibly baffling to me and, like, incredible about Star Wars is that, in a traditional sense, it has no source material. Now, you can say that any every story written before it is its source material, uh, and, you know, basically talk about how it's Joseph Campbell, the movie. Um, and I will give you that ground happily. But you go into like, again, like look at again Avengers, Infinity War and Endgame. Probably the biggest cinematic event 
of my generation probably tied if it doesn't beat The Force Awakens. These big franchises that right now are so dominant and so omnipresent are all established things. It's Star Wars now is like the most established franchise. But you can go into a Marvel movie with that like, oh yeah, like like we're going in because the normies who like it a lot know from like YouTube or Facebook or Twitter or whatever that the nerds who are familiar with the comics went, hey, uh, I know we're all excited for Infinity War. I hope you know there's probably going to be a body count. <laughs> and going into Endgame, now that we have that body count, stuff like that where it's established. So there's, a, there's already an existing lore that you can use as a blueprint to try to predict the coming story, which is weird and interesting with Marvel on its own. That's its own conversation. But like... Marvel and the, the, the Infinity War and Endgame, like those two incredible movies, they had 20 other movies leading up to it. And it's based on all this source material. And there's all this hype for very good reason. But it's all because it's this big machine that has just been like, I don't want to say manufacturing and like a, it's, it's a disingenuous hype. But like it is like this hype factory. Star Wars just appeared. It just, just showed up. Nobody had any idea what was coming. And everybody went, holy hell. Mm -hmm. This is amazing. I'm going to go see this movie 50 friggin' times in one day. Yeah, I, I was listening I to... Never. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's unbelievable. I was listening yesterday to the latest episode of Talking Bay 94, and Brandon had Don B's back on talking about, you know, not only working on Star Wars and the things, but like when he went and saw Star Wars, he said, he made, he said something. He was like, yeah, he's like, it looked like there was an ape in it. So I was going to go see the movie that had an ape in it. I had no idea what I was getting into or what I was going to see. Like this idea, like people had no clue. Like I, I need to ask my dad what he remembers about when he saw Star Wars. When did he see it? When it came out? What was that? You know, he was at, they were living in central Illinois at that point. So obviously it wasn't a big LA height, but like it swept the country. And for the next three years, because there wasn't another one for three more years, which that's not that unusual. We have spaces between our movies, but we're conditioned to expect more or find all these other things to fill the gaps in between. Like that movie ended. And for all anybody knew was like, holy crap, where did this come from? They didn't know if there was going to be more. And then it shows up and then there becomes a trilogy. But like that era, like I'm so jealous of people who got to be of an age to truly experience that in that moment and just be blown away because I've been blown away by movies. I've been blown away by media and culture and things and moments, but like that's a whole different level. I've always wondered but you just said, like, you know, I am in theory jealous of the people who got to see it at the Chinese theater. Like that, that whole scene. Mm -hmm. Again, just as integral to like the, the mythos of Star Wars as no, I am your father. But there's also a part of me that kind of like the premise of your podcast. I don't know if 
I don't know. There's a part of me that would love to have seen Star Wars in the vacuum of there's this one movie and one story and you're seeing it for the first time and you get to see mm-hmm. people see it for the first time. Or if the reason I love Star Wars is because of this massive sprawling lore. Right. And I don't think I I don't think I'd ever be able to make up my mind as to what which one I want. You know what I mean? But I mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that, but just talking about it, I'm leaning that way tonight. Cause yeah. Well, and it poses another one of those interesting generational questions between the two of us. I was born at an age where like you, like Star I have had Star Wars my literal entire life. Like there's never been a point when I've been alive that there wasn't Star Wars. But as far as I know, the first Star Wars that I saw was Star Wars as a toddler, as a whatever. That's all in that moment that I knew that existed. And that's yeah. probably it for everybody on some base level. Like even for whatever, you know, for you to see Revenge of the Sith in kindergarten, you probably saw other Star Wars movies before that. Oh, yeah. Years before. And, my and so so you were born like there was an like you essentially what you're saying is like you were born. There was an existing canon. There were other things to go. Oh, this is another one of those. That was there for me, too. But even less the de- less developed. I'm I'm trying to hone in on your point of like, I don't want to go but like, I would love, you know, a time travel question. If you could travel back in time, if you could go to that moment, I think I would want to do what you're saying. I would want to go to May 77, see it in the theater, but I don't want to take with me the knowledge of everything I have now. Like I want to be able to experience it raw, pure origin Genesis type story. Like, what am I seeing? And oh my God, what is this? I think that's how I'd want to do it. Yeah. It, it's so, it's so incredible. I don't know. Maybe you're the reason you, either there even is a part of me that would want to go with everything that I do know just to people watch. Indigo buddy, you have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea what's so, coming. Just to look over and just see somebody's face. The, t- the first time a lightsaber gets turned on. Mm-hmm. The first, you know, the, you know, you'll follow those light disabled, the limit of the Jedi Knight, like, <laughs> all of this stuff. And it's like, to see somebody say, it's like, it's like, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a sword, but it's a laser. It's <laughs> so cool. Like, I want to see somebody be like, whoa. That's right. That's Just you cool see that hell. light come on, see, see the, the bulbs flashing in their heads or over their heads. Exactly. Uh, it's un- it's unreal. Uh, and we could go on for hours about that. I mean, that you're going to be back because we're going to dig into some of these things and we're going to do more of this kind of <laughs> stuff. Um, this has been an amazing list. This has been, like I said, when you sent it to me over the weekend, I looked at it and I thought, okay, that wasn't entirely what I thought, but it's, it's better in a lot of ways than what I initially thought in my head. I was a little too boxed into like, well, what about this scene in this show? Or what about this, you know, the time so-and-so did whatever. I had a couple that I was going to throw in at the end. Um, the Star Wars stuff in Clerks cracks me up every time. Uh, the Death Star contractor <laughs> conversation. That, that every time. Um, similar to that. And this was a big one for me in college was Troops. Kevin Rubio. On YouTube, the bad boys cop soundtrack playing, but it's stormtroopers running across Tatooine and pulling over Jawas. You know, do you have ID? Do you like the whole thing? It was so great. And it was so, so great that at some point, George Lucas told Kevin Rubio, you know what? This is going to be considered canon. Now, of course, that all got canceled 
down the line, you know, with Disney, whatever. But it was, <laughs> but it was fan film that had an impact on the culture of Star Wars. Like it was these guys doing this for fun, and it's wild and it's so funny. I was going to say for some of my honorable mentions, like all the fan films and stuff. Like again, I, I, I've, I've said a thousand times before lightsabers, lightsaber combat is like, <laughs> yeah, it's my jam. Um, so stuff like Ryan versus dork man. I don't know if you've ever seen that specifically Ryan versus dork man too, which is, <laughs> which is the best fan made lightsaber duel of all time. The choreography, the special effects, cinematography, is unmatched. It's just beautiful. Stuff like that. I remember just watching um, Ryan versus Dorkman on repeat. Like when I was in like seventh grade. Like I watched, mm -hmm. I watched RVD, Ryan and Ryan versus Brandon and Ferocity. And it was <laughs> those three fan fights that I just watched over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And then that led directly into my like, oh, I guess I have like a really weird encyclopedic knowledge of like the seven forms of lightsaber combat. Now. <laughs> that's just the thing I have on tap. That's um, right. Just in case you ever need it sometime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, just in case. so, well, and I want to, uh, two other ones that stood out to me as kind of star Wars culture moments. Um, real quick. I mentioned earlier in the tease with Seth green and robot chicken, having somebody like Seth Green who loves Star Wars, who has that same encyclopedic kind of knowledge, the deeper knowledge, the Patton Oswalt filibuster in Parks and Recreation, <laughs> where he, and it, in the show, you only get like the 45 second version of it, but I'm sure you like me have watched on YouTube, the uncut, unedited yeah. version where he gets up there and he lays out the case for the crossover between Star Wars and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My understanding is the folks that ran Parks and Rec had no idea that was what was coming. Pat Oswalt wrote that himself, yeah. got up there and was like, watch this and straight up just put it out. <laughs> it's brilliant. Every time I watch it, it makes me laugh. And Pat Oswalt um, is that kind of Star Wars fan. I haven't seen it in so long. Uh, oh my God. It's worth going back to rewatch. And then the other one that I put, and this goes a little bit more to kind of the bigger, wider culture like we're talking about with the return of star Wars, May 77, I put down the toys, like the star Wars toys change toys and movies and movie toy tie-ins in a wild, wild way. You know, Josh and Andy talk about that kind of stuff on hollow chronicles all the time. And you have, you know, we talk a lot about how you mentioned earlier, baby Yoda. And, you know, we didn't get a lot of baby Yoda merch up front because they kept it a secret for that big reveal for the show. Star Wars was running and playing catch up with the toys because Star Wars was such a phenomenon. The we talked about it a million times. The, the, pre, the early bird, you bought it and all you got was a card and a promise that they were going to send you the figures when they had them ready. If you've never watched Plastic Galaxy, if you've never watched the toys that made us like those documentaries about the Star Wars toys, it's mindlessly fascinating how they got to the point and how, you know, the bid for it and the, you know, Lucas not resign, but also like the merchandising and the stuff that went into Lucas saying, you know, well, I'm not going to get paid very much, but if there's merch or if there's, you know, like all the back end kickbacks and all the, like those were culture changing moments for toys going forward for merchandise for movies and how people got paid for movies going forward. Like, 
And it was for toys, for stupid plastic action figures. Sorry, Jerry, they're not stupid, but I love them. Um, (laughs) And so to me, that's another one of those huge Star Wars culture moments was the toys and what is expanded to the weird stuff, the weird baby Yoda puppet, the weird Darth Vader head nightlight that's hanging out behind my shoulder. That's on a metal spring and a bobblehead with like a weird brain top on it. Like weird Star Wars is some of the best Star Wars hands down, whether it's merch, whether it's actual, you know, content. Um, But again, we could go for hours about the impact on it. People have written documentaries about, the culture of what was the one um, where they're trying to get across the country to the star Wars convention. Um, fanboys. Fanboys. Yes, yes, yes. Again, those kind of things that we happen and experience in real life. We go to dragon con, we go to star Wars celebration. We go to comic con, wherever you go. Like people are making movies of that. Cause like there's realists in there. There's that cinema verite. This is the truth in life in this cinema of people that would drive across the country to try and get their dying friend in front of somebody or, you know, it just, it's wild. And I will never stop being thankful for star Wars and the impact, not only that it has had on my life. It's something I love dearly. I talk or think about it every day, which makes me a weirdo, but I'm glad to be one of those weirdos. Absolutely. I, we are all in very good weirdo company. (laughs) No doubt. Well, Jared, I can't thank you enough for being on tonight. Um, I'm going to throw up here. I know that you have a very active Twitter presence. If anybody wants to come find you, Dark Jedi 2552. Uh, also follow the Nerd Academy on Twitter. I don't have that handle on me. Convenient. Is it Nerd Academy Podcast? Uh, I believe it is something to that effect. Let me double check. <laughs> if you type um, Nerd Academy, you'll definitely get to it. You're definitely going to get there. I definitely encourage all of our listeners to check out the Nerd Academy, check out all the different shows they have. If they don't have something... Nerd Academy 1 is the initial Twitter handle. If they don't have something that you're interested in, you have not enough or very weird interests because they cover the gamut. They have it all. Um, Follow Jared. Jared's great to interact with on Twitter. Very kind, very friendly, very positive. I love that you're still willing to go after somebody sometimes, but I think that's done from a place of look, let's be cool. Let's be right. Let's act the way we're supposed to because life's too short and star Wars is too much fun for us to be mad about it and be horrible to each other about it. Yeah. I, uh, I don't, it it is very rare that I am ever arguing with somebody, uh, that is not already behaving in bad faith. Um, so, you know, whenever, uh, you know who got into the unemployment line. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, I, uh, uh, Jerry and I spent some time um, having some very fun conversations with some people who were a little uh, third Reiki uh, all day that day. So, yep. Was, well, yeah. Normally, it's just it's it's uh, it's it's loving nerd culture and shit posting for the most part. No doubt. So. it's fun and it's supposed to be fun and we're going to keep it being fun. I'm a big fan of that hashtag spark of positivity. I want to say to, I want to say to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks to those of you in the live chat that have hung out and been with us this whole time. We appreciate you more than, you know, follow us on Twitter. We are at wills pod. I would love for you to like, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. This is the sixth week of the Sunday night live stream. We're trying to build that audience up, keep that going. Um, Interact with us on Twitter. 
listen to us in the podcast feed um, and check it out. And in the meantime, I hope everybody has a great week this week and we will be back next Sunday night. I've got another exciting guest and we'll start teasing and talking about it this week. But in the meantime, Jared, thank you so much. And to everybody out there, may the force be with you always.